As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling? All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Growling. I'm Jay Morrison of The Athletic, and for the first time in 412 episodes, Paul Daner Jr. of The Athletic is not with us today. Uh, Paul is on a richly deserved vacation, golfing with his dad all week and uh, documenting Ellie De La Cruz moments on video. I don't know if any of you saw that, but he was sitting behind home plate for his mammoth walk-off home run the other night, and he has it on video. It's up on Twitter. Um, so our run of media all-star guest appearances continues this week with Richard Skinner from Local12.com, who's also the co-host of the Skinny Podcast, along with Rick Broering. And uh, a voice you may know from play-by-play and PA high school sports from everything ranging from football to fencing. Skinny, how you doing today? I'm great, Jay. How are you? I- I'm great. You got any uh, You got any high school events coming up that you're going to be broadcasting? I-, I do. In fact, when I hop off this podcast, we're doing it here on a, on a Thursday late morning. I'm going to Xavier to do public address for the Ohio Division I baseball regional semifinal games. And there should be two good ones. So looking forward to doing that. Is that is that Moeller? Yeah, Moeller. The first game is um, Moeller West Claremont, and the second game is Mason Elder. So really good, really good semis and a ah, nice yeah. setting. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, up here in my neck of the woods in Hamilton, uh, Baden is playing in the I believe it's the Division Two uh, regionals good. up in up in Mason, and uh, that's a it's been a successful program, but a tortured one. Um, I, I think Bengal fans might have a, a little kinship there where they've 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 gotten so close to the the mountaintop and they haven't been able to get over it in a long time um i when i talk about the 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 media room i always tell everybody i have the best seat in that place at paul uh, paycor stadium because i've got paul on my right and you on my left and it's just it keeps it light uh keeps it fun interesting all of that so I'm, i'm i'm really glad that you you're willing to jump on here and share some time with me today while paul's out of town um Later in the show, we'll be joined by Mo Egger with his regular spot, uh, and then I'll, I'll be getting to some of your Twitter questions for my Jay's Got Stats. Well, listen, it, it's Hamilton. There goes a the siren. That's that's par for the course. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I said, like I said, I'll be getting to some of your questions for my Jay's Got Stats mailbag, and that should be posting later today or tomorrow. But uh, first, we're going to start the way we always do with some news. And the, the big news of the week was was Tyler Boyd showing up at voluntary uh, practice or voluntary workouts uh, for the first time this season. And I'm uh, going to play a clip here real quick of uh, some of the things Tyler had to say about his expiring contract and his future here in Cincinnati. This is my home for now, you know, and I just ain't going to worry about the unexpected. You know, I'm here to finish this year out and whatever happens, happens. You know, but I know we have a very, very high chance of making the Super Bowl and even winning. You know, and this is where, this is where I want to be, you know, whether I come up with a new deal or not. You know, I got to just go out there and I'm going to be me. You know, I ain't, uh, I'm very appreciative of them still uh, wanting me to be around and knowing that they don't want to trade me and things like that, you know. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just got to uh, help guys get better. You know, I mean, I ain't going to be playing ball forever. You know, I might not be here forever, but I mean, I'm always love this franchise, and I'm always uh, be a banger. Tyler, you said that you feel wanted here, right? There is some uncertainty with your deal coming up soon. How has this organization made you feel wanted? How have they communicated? Um, I just just never been talks about. Uh, my exit or things like that, you know, and, and I ain't worried about that either, you know, because I know, like I said, the other players love me, you know, they, 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 it's, it's like a family, you know, and I don't feel um, neglected by anybody, no players, no coaches, nobody, it's just a family, you know, and then whatever happens in the future, uh, I just got to wait for it. Was there, was there uh, anything from the front office related to, hey, you know, you know what your contract looks like, what do you feel like you're a value partner with any conversations like that from them to you or to your agent? Uh, for me, you know, I just, I kind of didn't get into that, you know, I kind of didn't let my agent or nobody know that uh, I was seeking anything, you know, because I know we got to get deals done with, with, with important keys, with important players like Joe and T, you know, I'm, 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 I'm well with money, you know, I'm good. And uh, I mean, I just want to see the guys that, that deserve it get paid, you know, like I said, what, what happens in the future, uh, hopefully it works out for me, you know, but at the end of the day, I still got this last year and I'm, I'm willing to come here and play, come back and play and, and get this championship. What, what I meant in terms of them making sure that you were going to be here for that last year. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, like, hey, we, we want you back for the yeah, sure. yeah, pretty much. They love me in the front, you know. They they, they respect me, and uh, I do I do thing, I go about things the right way, you know. I come in with a great attitude each and every day, you know. Like I said, I, I don't complain as much. I go out there and do my job, and you know, it's, it's, it's a love family thing. All right, Skinny, what did you make of uh, what Tyler had to say on Tuesday? Yeah, first of all, it was interesting. You and I were standing side by side, kind of taking attendance on who was there, who wasn't. I had walked. I got there probably about 10 minutes before the practice started. And I always take a peek. I'm sure you do too, of, of what cars are are in the parking lot. And it's only a handful of veterans that have those, those parking spots. And I saw Tyler wasn't, wasn't there. His parking spot was, I'm like, okay, he's not here. And then you said, look, who's behind you. And I turned around and lo and behold, there's Tyler Boyd. And, and you made the reaction of, of what, and I ended up asking Zach Taylor, cause he literally genuinely looked surprised that Tyler was there, but yeah. I think his comments were genuine that I think he he truly missed his teammates. And if this is the last year, which I think we all believe it is, um, I think he wants to soak up all of this, be a part of this and make sure that he doesn't leave any stone unturned when it comes to what this team can do. So I think we all understood why he wasn't there. I think teammates understood why he wasn't there, but I think this was a nice bonus for everybody that he was there. Yeah. I mean, you go back to last year with, with the Jesse Bates situation and that was, that was more of a contentious sitting out and, and nobody held it against Jesse. Everybody, these guys all understand the business part of it. And not to say that, that Tyler staying away for as long as he did had anything to do with the expiring contract or anything like that. But they do that once they show up and he is, he's been such an integral part. I mean, you think about it when, when Zach came in, 
he totally turned over this locker room and had to remake that the roster. And it, it's telling who who survived. Jay, it, I, it, I looked I was looking. I've got old programs. I know you probably keep them, too, from games we've covered. Yeah. And for some reason, I pulled one out the other day. It was the Bengals at Packers at Lambeau Field in 2017. <laughs> I believe if I counted right, Tyler Boyd is the only one left. I believe that's correct. I mean, think about that roster turnover just in that short time. Was was Mixon not there? No, you're right. I take back Mixon. There's yeah. two of them. You're right. There was two. Okay. Right. There was two of them. Yeah, Mixon was the other one. Yeah, and then what? Sam came the following year. Following year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy how fast it changes. And I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna have a question for you on that in that line of thinking uh, a little bit later in the show. Um, but you know, with with TB, what I guess it's hard to say. We don't know what Charlie Jones is gonna look like. We we don't know if they're going to re-sign T Higgins. I mean, those right. are big variables and whether he comes back, but just what we know right now today, what, what percentage would you put on it that, that Tyler Boyd will play for the Bengals in 2024? 10%. 10. Um, yeah, 10%. I, and I think your point's well taken. I think if something happens in the Higgins conversation, then maybe you're able to give Tyler Boyd. I mean, I, I think at this stage, if you were to give Tyler another deal, it would be a one maximum two. And I would guess he'd be looking for more than that. And, Probably there's a team out there that's willing to give him more than that, and rightfully so. Um, you know, it, it just feels like they they're really good right now at preemptive strikes, right, Jay? They they know a year ahead of time of what mm. they might have to plug, and that feels like the Charlie Jones selection. You're right; we don't know if he can play, but it just feels like that they they're ready for this situation to take place. But it does give them a little leeway and a little flexibility if you just come to a complete impasse with T Higgins. And you're able to pay Tyler Boyd at least a nice sum, but not what you would have paid T. So it does give you a fallback option, but I, I just don't put it high. I, I'm curious what, what percentage you put on it. Yeah, I would have been around there, maybe maybe 15. I just I, Tyler said, TB said that it, it's going to all come down. It's all about the money. So <laughs> does that is he going to have interest as a as a 29 year old slot receiver is is there going to be another team out there that's going to be willing to give him more than Great the point. Bengals are offering will will the Bengals even make an offer will they just say thank you for your time and and not even try to re-sign him that that's all to be seen the interesting thing is you you've got this like magic number of 30 where you don't want to sign guys after 30 there's also the third contract element to it right, but right um i mean he's he's not going to be 29 till november so he Next year will technically be his his twenty nine year season. So you get him for one year and 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 maybe even two. It's I, I don't rule it out. I don't think it's out of the question, especially with how much he means to this team, how much he loves being here. Um, you know, talk about Joe Burrow possibly taking less to keep pieces together. I, I can see TB taking a little bit less. He he said it. He's 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 good with money. He's made a lot of money in his, his lifetime, probably more than he ever thought he would. And uh, sometimes that that comfort level and that chance. Uh, uh, the other variable here is: Do the Bengals win a Super Bowl this year? If they win a Super Bowl, then yeah, maybe he's okay. I've I've, I've checked off the biggest yes. box on my list. Let's go see how much money I can make somewhere and play somewhere else. If they don't, if they get right on the cusp again, maybe he comes back to take that that other shot at a ring. And I do think the Bengals are learning lessons that some other really good franchises are. And I, and I don't know where this goes with TB. Maybe he plays another seven years for all I know, hmm. but it's always the get out a year early than get out a year late. Right. So do you yeah. want to lock up another two or three years into a guy like that, that you don't know where the, where the fall off may come and it may not come. I mean, he's in great shape. He, you know, he's, he's had a couple of nicks and in, in bumps here and there, like the one in the AFC championship game, but do you really want to put yourself on the hook for money that, 
boy, a guy at, at 30 as a wide receiver can just fall right off. We've seen so many of these guys do it. We're like, man, he was just great two years ago. What's happened mm-hmm. to that guy? It just It's weird that it happens, but it happens. And I wonder, too, with the, the position he plays, he's not stretching the field. He's not a speed right. guy. He's he, It's more the crafty, intelligent knowledge of routes and leverage and all that. Maybe maybe that works to to his advantage as an older player, That, that kind of like a pitcher as you age and you, you learn more how to pitch than just throw. I can yeah. see something like that happening that keeps him around. Yeah, and I think the thing that Zach said the other day is is the fact of, of his lack of ego, that you know mm-hmm. he's all about helping the team. He's all about being – being a great teammate. And I think he could be a guy that if you're signing him as another team, you're not getting a diva wide receiver who's going to come in the huddle and go, man, I'm open, man, I'm open. He's <laughs> yeah. going to do what he has to do um, and and follow along. And I think that's the other thing he's got going for him is, is, you know, that, that word gets around the NFL, as you know, and I think teams, if they did sign him, know they're getting a solid guy at the very least. I don't think there's anybody in a Bengals uniform willing to go back to a huddle and say, man, I'm open to Joe Burrow. I don't that's think a, that would go that's over a, very that's well. A good, that's a good point. <laughs> Uh, the other piece of news to come out of uh, Tuesday's press conference was they're going to have a, a joint practice with the Packers. Um, that'll be on the Wednesday before the Friday preseason opener. Um, did that surprise you at all, given the way things went with the joint practices last year? It did, but I thought your follow-up question to Zach and his answer was a good one where he said, it's just one day this time. Because you yeah. asked, if you, did that sour you at all? Um, because, you know, remember last year, the whole thing was, you know, it worked out synergistically perfectly that you're playing the Rams. You can have the joint practices. You know what Sean McVay's practice looks like. Sean kind of knows what your practice looks like. And it was all going to be a friendly, friendly tug of war <laughs> until it, until it wasn't. And helmets were swinging and bodies were flying and all of those things. And maybe that was, Jay, just the fact that it was the end of camp. Guys are tired of all of it. They're mm-hmm. ready for the season to start. Um, LC was struggling at that point, and that kind of instigated some of it too. It's hot. Um, you know, you're just at that point of camp where that was just a ticking time bomb. Maybe this part of camp where you're leading into a preseason opener, it is only one day. Again, it is a staff you're familiar with works, but I was. I mean, I, I expect his answer when he was asked about that to be, no, we don't have any plans for that. It's not going to work out for us this year. And then when he said the Packers, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess that can make some sense. And so maybe being earlier rather than later makes this work better. Yeah. And then the other, Thing last year, even though LC wasn't a member of that that Super Bowl team, but that was a Super Bowl re- rematch, and there was yeah. some emotions were still a little good raw. Point. Yeah, good uh, point. So it, it'll be interesting. I mean, you, you've got uh, Sean Clifford, uh, the Saint X graduate. He's on the Packers. Uh, Josh Myers is from the Dayton area. So Josiah Deguara coming back. Eric Wilson played at UC as well. So there'll be some some storylines. And I do. I think I think it's you know Zach and and. Sean McVay are friends, but it was, it was a, you know, a working relationship and Zach's worked with Lafleur before, but they are, they are really good yes. friends. That might yes. be his, one of his closest friends, if not his closest friend in the coaching business, their friend, their, their sons are best buddies every year at the owner's meetings that you see the boys throwing football and playing. And so I, I think this just makes perfect sense. And we said it last year too, where they, they respect each other. It's not going to happen, but things you, that's a great point that you mentioned was the end of camp tensions boiling over. I, I don't think you're going to see anything like that uh, this time around. Yeah. Maybe again, if you'd have done two days again, maybe tensions mm-hmm. rise after day one to day two. And in fact, yep. after day one, everybody says we're good. We have a day off. We'll see each other on Friday and we'll, we'll part our separate ways. Yeah. And the key people won't even see each other. They'll yeah, be on correct. the yeah, bench. I, and- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good, good point. All right. Let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, the, the other, I guess, piece of news really was non-news uh, that, that Jonah Williams was uh, still not here and Zach didn't really want to comment on whether he'd had any conversations with him. Um, the, the expectation is that he will be here for the mandatory minicamp. Uh, next week will be the OTAs. Um, I that's They can put the helmet on. They can do 11-on-11, 7-on-7. I don't know that we're going to see any of that. We didn't see any of it last year. Probably not this year, but you could see some one-on-ones. You could see yeah. some interesting stuff. Um, but just curious, what you know? What what do you expect to see for, from Jonah when he arrives? Um, I guess the way he's received, uh, his attitude, maybe what the rotation looks like. Uh, what are you looking for on in OTAs? Yeah, for for starters, I I, I think I'm with you that that I'd be surprised if he's not here for the mandatory minicamp because you mm-hmm. are subject to fine because that's why it is mandatory. Um, you know, I, I think everybody expected him to not participate in this portion of the offseason program. Even teammates have talked about that. In fact, I think a couple of teammates that I've talked to, I'm sure you have too, that have literally brought up that's the business side of the game, and we all understand that. So I think they understand it. I think he'll be welcome back just fine like Jesse was last year because um, I think everybody understood the business portion of it. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do when they get to minicamp. Will it be more ramped up or will it still be just a little bit more of a, of a walk through 11 on 11? And how much can Jonah get up to speed at right tackle there? Um, I, I would I would think he's he's probably that, that's an interesting one because in my heart of hearts I think they plug him in with the ones right away just to show him that we believe in you and you're our guy. But there could also be if there's enough animosity to say Jackson you're going to get first crack, Jonah you're going to get rotation in. I, I don't I just don't see that. I, I don't see why you would dig any deeper what the wound is right now, right? Yeah, and I mean the other thing too is with OTAs. Next week, they it it might be a walk through eleven on right. eleven. Even right. if it's on air, you're gonna have a lineup. You're gonna have eleven guys out Correct. there. You're Correct. gonna have a lineup, and so you're you're gonna put a guy in, or maybe maybe you split a couple guys because LC's not here too. So whoever it is, Hakeem Adeniji or Cody Ford, uh, Carmen with Jackson, yeah, yeah, whoever they they put out there at the number one. Do do you all of a sudden just throw that guy back as a as the the with the twos and then let Jonah take all the ones or do they, do they rotate? Does Jonah take half the snaps at one and somebody else half the snaps at two? I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to see just the way they, they line those guys up um, once the mandatory mini camp gets here uh, before that next week with OTAs, any, anything it's going to look, it's not going to be real football, but it's going to look like more, more like football than what we've seen so far is, is there anything you're you're looking forward to seeing or keeping an eye on? Yeah, how well for one, it, it's a little deep in the weeds with this, but I think we're all going to do it. 
what time of that that practice that we're at that day do we tweet out something about Yoshi Bosch making some ridiculous athletic play, right? Yes. I think that's the one that everybody's joked about is he's the audentative of this year. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see, you know, we saw Dax run with the ones last year at this time of year because of uh, because of no Jesse Bates. But to see what what Nick Scott and him look like, maybe if they do some 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 just conversational stuff and communication stuff where they line up and in the walkthrough how that goes. Um I do want to see the athleticism of Charlie Jones and some one-on-ones too against corners. Again, they're not going to be able to get their hands on them, but just to see what he looks like. Uh, to me, those are the things because we're not going to see tackling. We're not going to see pass rush. We're not going to see bumping and banging. Yeah, I think you're right. We'll see some of that one-on-one stuff. So Charlie Jones to me, and then certainly, um, you know, probably um, probably what the corners look like in, in that mm-hmm. circumstance too. And some of those one-on-ones, how do they hold up? Um, and, and those, those to me would be the, the, the main battles. Yeah. I mean, maybe do we see Cheeto out there? I don't know if he would risk that at this point, but yeah, sometimes I don't think so he didn't put it to, when we talked to him, he did not put a timetable, right? I mean, right. Was, yeah, yeah. I know he's talked about hoping to be ready for the opener, hoping to be back for camp and all those, but he was not putting a timetable one way or the other, good or bad. He wasn't making it early. He wasn't saying it's going to be late. He just said, I have no timetable for this. And I just I remember, and it was more important for Joe Burrow. But I remember, his, you know, his injury came in November. It was later right. than what what Cheetos was, and he was back in time for right. for OTAs in minicamp. And I I think that was a, a deliberate decision because he he does mean so much. And uh, you know, I don't because I even asked Cheeto about first day of camp, and he's like, I'm not concerned about that at all. Right. So right. maybe he's out there watching, but yeah, I don't know that we'll see him do any drills. But I do, I, I am interested in seeing even if they don't do 11s or even sevens. Um, I, I'm sure we'll see some one-on-one. So those will be some fun matchups to watch. Make Cam Taylor Britt against a Jamar Chase, that, that that type of thing. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, I was watching the, the way they were throwing the ball on Tuesday. Trevor Simeon is really impressive in, in terms is. of his size and the zip he has on the ball. And uh, I'm not sure why it hasn't worked out for him, but I think that's going to be an interesting competition that that number two quarterback because Jake Browning really did surprise last offseason they like him a lot um I don't know even with the new rule with the like, where you can have a, a third quarterback uh emergency quarterback do, do they do they keep three on the 53 are they going to dress three are they just going to is this going to be a, a training camp battle and and one guy wins the other guy goes on the practice squad then maybe he gets elevated prior to game day and dresses right. but um I I was I was really impressed with what I saw from Trevor Simeon in honestly limited throws. No, I mean those those two years he was kind of the guy in Denver. The, the numbers weren't awful, and then it mm-hmm. just kind of you know he kind of fell into that backup role um, and never really has gotten a, a major crack again. But for a backup, and this is no knock on Brandon Allen, but he's a major upgrade as a backup quarterback over Brandon Allen. And that's again Brandon yeah. served a purpose and did his job, and he and Joe Burrow were tight and all those things. But I think you know if if something happened. I think Trevor Simeon would give you a much better chance to win games with a Joe Burrow multi-game injury than Brandon Allen would. Yeah, circling back to that uh the, the preseason game with the Packers, you know, that the, the last time they were in Cincinnati was a couple of years ago. And it was it was actually my birthday, and that got me thinking or remembering that the very first game my dad ever took me to was was my 10th birthday. Um it was 10-10, 1976. And I wanted to ask you about this because you have this incredible knack where any game can come up in conversation from the 70s, sometimes the 60s. And you ha- you you remember all these details from the game. Do you do you remember 
any details from that 76 game when they played the expansion Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I remember it was 21 to nothing was the final. <laughs> You're correct. I believe Tommy Casanova returned a fumble for a touchdown. Uh, yes, that is. I hold on. I'm calling this up. I know they had a defensive touchdown. and I do think it was Casanova. Might have been an interception. But I thought it was a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Well, now this is bad podcast radio. I cannot find it, but I, I do think. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I should have had this at the ready. Yes, 25-yard fumble return for a touchdown for the, the final score of the game. Bob Bob Trumpy had a touchdown yep. catch, and Booby Clark had a touchdown All run. Right, and, and see if I'm right. Do you have is, do you have the box score up? Yep, I do. I believe, did Steve Spurrier start at quarterback? For yes, he did. And Pernell Dickerson, or Dickinson, was the backup. Yeah, he threw one pass, and, it, okay. and, it, and he was sacked once. Okay. Uh, Steve Spurrier, 12 of 22 for 122 and two interceptions, so... Yeah, the, the the Buccaneers went to zero and five. The Bengals went to four and one. The Bengals would finish ten and four that year and miss the team. playoffs. Yep. Yeah, I mean, limited teams went that year. And um, I, I do. I wanted to quiz you on something else because I'm I'm doing this Jay's Got Stats mailbag, and this question came in. And any Bengals conversation always goes to the O line. Someone asked about since Andrew Whitworth left, how many guys play have played offensive line wow that's and it, it it's from k palm 728 twitter user it is it's a really interesting question um so first of all what what would be your guess on the number of- yeah I'm, I'm i'm just trying to spitball some math here and, and we're just talking have played a game not started correct right i'll go 37 you're 36 man you're right on it um that's a crazy number though jay it, it really is um, and then you see some of these names and you, you understand <laughs> why they've been, where they've been. Um, I, I think, he, I, I think you can do this. Here's what I want to do. I, I'm going to, I'm going to have you name five names. And do you think all five of them can be, will be in the top 10 for number of games played over that stretch? So from, from 2017 to present, okay. actually, let's make it, you just have to have five in the top 11 because the number 10 guy on this list Nobody would get no, no media member would guess this name. No, wow, Bengal super fan would guess this name, and wow. maybe no one even on the Bengal staff would guess that this guy would be one of the have one of the top ten most games played at offensive line. Uh, I'll get to him later, but uh, yeah, go ahead and start naming who you think might be in that list. Number Trey one, Hop- Trey yeah. Hopkins. Number one, seventy-five games. He is no. Oh wow, I would have thought like number four or five. So holy cow. So we're starting with him as number one. Um, I'll go Jonah. Yep. Jonah tied for third with 42 games. Okay. Um, man, oh, man. <laughs> Alex Redmond. Yes. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh on the list with that's, 32 games. That's borderline incredible, quite <laughs> frank. Um, Man, this is a great question. Quentin Spain. Yes, he is number Barely. nine on the okay. list with 25 games played. Okay, that's great. Then Billy Price. Yeah, Billy Price is tied with Jonah with at, for third with 42. That's um, sad, though, is it not? <laughs> it is. Bobby Hart, second with 46. Wow. I, 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 I should have had him. I, yeah. I whiffed on that one. 
Uh, um, Adenogy 39. Clint- see, that's a good one. I wouldn't have, th- I, you're right. Adenogy does pop it with Clinton Spain's in the mix. He's in the mix. Wow. Yeah. Clint Bowling still up there with 32. Um, Michael Jordan, 27. And then at 10th that nobody would get is Trey Hill. And that's because, you know, if you take a snap on special teams, that counts it as a counts. game played. Yeah. Okay. So 24 okay. games by Trey Hill. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of people would have. I, I thought Michael Jordan was the guy you were thinking of, but I thought, nah, uh, we could probably, I would probably guess Michael. I didn't know he'd be in the list. I would have guessed him. I didn't, I didn't, but that boy, does that tell you something or what? It, it really is telling. Um, but the, the other thing that's telling, and you mentioned you were, you were clarifying between starts and games played. If, if you look at games started, uh, how many of those 36 do you think have started 20, 25 games? And that's basically just a year and a half, a, a season and a half. and a half, 25 games. So before I answer that question, so think about that this year, all things go well, you're going to have Karis Folson and, uh, and Kappa go past that yeah. by game, what, eight, nine or 10 of this season. So yeah. think about that stat. In fact, um, how many started? I'll say four. Yeah, it's exactly four. It's Hopkins, okay. Hart, Jonah and bowling. Um, and it's funny you mentioned that about those Kappa, Volson, and Karras because you're you're right. The that that they will probably get up that number to seven. And I was curious what the the rest of the division looks like in that same same time span from 2017 to the present. Uh, the Ravens have had nine guys start at least 25 games. The Steelers eight, the Browns seven, and then the Chiefs, who are clearly the class of the AFC, have had ten. Wow. So it's the Bengals with four currently but it, yes it will it will raise uh most likely to seven well so that, that, and, and that will show you this year i mean the potential you've added the pro bowl left tackle and then you've got continuity mm-hmm. guard to guard and you have a at least what you think between somebody a capable right tackle of what this offensive line could really look like especially comparatively speaking to what it's been over the last seven or eight years yeah i mean even you know, it, it wasn't great in 2021, but you look at 21 and 22 compared to 19 and right. 20. I mean, that's why you're starting to see this this get better because you are getting some continuity there. Um, I did want to circle back to something that last podcast uh, we were talking about the uninspiring history of Bengals who have worn number 99, which now belongs to first round pick Miles My- Murphy. Um, when I was rattling off the names, I called Dan Wilkinson a bust. And uh, Twitter user Jason W objected to that and asked me to double check his numbers, um, and I did. He had he had twenty five sacks in four seasons, at least five sacks a year in his four seasons with the Bengals. Um, there, there's only four other guys that have done that, and it's Dunlap did it eight years in a row, Justin Smith six, Eddie Edwards five, and Geno four. So pretty pretty. Good numbers for Wilkins. I just, I, I guess bust was the wrong term. Uh, maybe disappointment being number one say, overall. I, I'm not far off from the bust category either, but oh, I, that's yeah. the exact word I was going to use was disappointing or disappointment. Yeah. I mean, again, we're talking about a, 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 a number one overall guy. You expect that guy to be borderline hall of fame. He never made a pro bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I, you know, again, that's not all the be all end all. And, and, you know, DJ reader hasn't made a pro bowl and we know what his impact is. And despite, you know, if you looked at his stats, actually, they'd kind of pale in comparison to Dan Wilkinson's stats. But yeah. Dan Wilkinson was expected to be a complete. He was expected to be Aaron Donald, for lack of a better term, a, mm-hmm. a complete wrecker difference maker. And he wasn't. And you're right. Bust might be harsh because Bust would have probably indicated he never started, you know, barely played. And that that wasn't the case. But you you 
weren't expecting you were expecting a lot from that. And maybe that wasn't fair, but that's why you were taking where you were taking, my man. Yeah. And you're right. He played 61 out of a possible 64 games. He was always there. It just, I think everybody is, it was in the nineties when things were starting to get South and they were looking at him to be the answer. And he just, just wasn't quite there. So going to that, you have four, four straight years with at least five sacks. So let's do a run passer boot. You, you know how this works? Yes, I do. Okay. So the next Bengal to accomplish that feat of recording at least five sacks in four consecutive seasons will be Trey Hendrickson, who's already done it twice, and he has two years left on his deal. Sam Hubbard, who's done it twice in a row and four out of five years. He has three years left on his deal, so he can do it. So the first choice is Hendrickson. The second choice is Hubbard or anyone else on the current roster. And then the third choice is somebody not currently on the roster. Who will be the next guy to get five sacks in a row or five sacks four years in a row? All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna run with I'm gonna run with Sam Hubbard. Okay. It, it's never big numbers, but it's no. just very consistent. And he will, in my opinion, play out the end of that contract. And you and you get Miles Murphy. You get everybody else that's on the roster as well, right? Yes. With, yes. with that choice. So yes. yeah. Yeah. And then you, um, I'll I'll pass on someone currently not on the roster. Okay. And I'm gonna boot Trey Hendrickson because quite frankly, I'm not sure if he's here after next year. Yeah, good point. And he's he's dealt with injuries. You never know if he's gonna miss a uh not a, a season, but if he's gonna miss some time. Right. Um and yeah, they they could move on from him next year with with little dead money, uh with a, not a bad cap hit there. Um I know a lot of Bengal fans don't want to hear that with what what he's meant to that pass rush, but drafted Miles Murphy for a reason. Yes. And uh, somebody's going to be expendable sooner or later. Um, Again, with your knowledge of history, uh, going back to the 99 is cursed. There there have been 14 guys that have worn 99, and they've all been since 1987. Really? Um, How many of the 14 do you think you could name? Jason Buck? Yeah, he's one. Jason Buck's one. Wow, this is a good one. He was the first one to ever wear it in 1987. I'm not sure I could do anybody. If, if you'd have told me there were only five guys that wore 99, I'd have thought that would have been high. Huh? Holy cow! I rattle them off to me because I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna probably hit myself in the head going, "Oh yeah, him, 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 and him." Jason Buck's the really the one guy that popped in my head. Yeah. Um. I'll, I'll go in reverse order. So okay. uh, last year, Tyler Shelvin. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, 2020, Christian Covington. Oh my. Um, Andrew Billings from 17 to 19, oh, the pancake man. Yeah. Uh, Margus hunt 13 to 16. Um, Manny Lawson. Oh yeah. I Tank Johnson. Wow. Jason Shirley. Oh my. He was a big defensive tackle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, David Pollock. Oh, I, how did I miss it? Yeah. I guess because the career was so brief. Right. Yeah. yeah. You got, it was forget what number he wore. Um, Sean Smith barely played, yep. uh, Oliver Gibson had a pretty good run oh, with the Bengals. He was a very solid player, yes. Yeah. Um, a guy named Alonzo Mitz. Oh, yeah. Big Alonzo Mitz, sure. The the most obscure guy, Donnell Johnson, was a defensive lineman, never got into a game the first three games of 1993. They moved him to offensive line, so he had to change his number to 68, but he technically counts as a guy that wore. He dressed for one game, and he wore 99. He just never played. I was going to say, that's the one guy you rattle off, or I went, no idea who that cat is. <laughs> I don't either. I had to look him up. Uh, what, what number did you wear at UK? I was a uh, I was uh, number six. Six. What about high school? 
I wore six and ten. We wore two different colored jerseys, and for whatever reason, and the one that didn't have number six, so I was number six in red and number ten in gray. You Dr. J guy? Is that why you wore six? I don't know. You know, it's funny. I I I, I came to like when I like played rec softball after a while. We, if we ever wore a number on some some teams that would play in tournaments, I wore numbers. I love number three. I don't know hmm. why. I guess it's the lucky number, but I, it might have been just because. Back in those days, dude, you took the number that was kind of given to you because that's the uniform that fit you. Exactly. <laughs> you, right. you can fit into number six. Here you go. You wear number six. <laughs> yeah. I remember those uh, cloth, like wool, cotton blend jerseys that you wore in the heat of the summer when you know, you're in Little League and they were just brutal. And that's what it was. They just lined you up by size. and. Yep. Little guys get one and big guys get 15. Yep. And, there the you go. Would, and the knees would have patches in them because they've been cut yeah. out all the time over, over slides and whatnot. You were lucky. <laughs> you were lucky to have now everybody's got names on the back of their uniforms. Oh, they yeah. got three different ones. It all looks really good these days. Yeah. Practice jerseys, all that. All right. Well, hey, I, I really appreciate you filling in here this week. Uh, anything you want to promote that you got coming up on the, the local12.com site or anything else? Yep. We, we, Rick Boring and I talked a, a lot of uh, a lot of different things. We, I, I know this is a Bengals centric podcast, but we talked this. You can imagine a lot of Ellie De La Cruz and, and, yeah. and what that might mean when he comes up. We talked a lot of Bengals too on this week's podcast, a little college basketball that will actually probably drop sometime uh, on Thursday afternoon. So whenever you're hearing this podcast, as many of you do, you can find that at local12.com or your favorite podcast provider. Plus, uh, Bengals stories galore. I got a story going up tomorrow, kind of on the lines of what Paul did uh, last week. Um, kind of the way that camp has been has been run, and, and the way the mm-hmm. offseason programs have been run. I thought Zach really did a nice job explaining that again um, to us the other day. So I wanted to attack that because I, I know a lot of fans get up in arms over the the light practices, but I think he's got a there's a method to the madness. And I thought he was really interesting too, Jay, where he said, "Listen, this isn't etched in stone. I mean, I may, I may go yeah. back to doing it another way. I don't think he will, but I think he realizes with this group why run the risk. And if they're going to get their work in, that's all I ask them to do. And 87 of 89 guys on hand, I think, show that they believe in in what he's doing and want to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, the only way they go back is if something goes terribly wrong. And, Correct. And I Correct. I just don't see that happening. So I'm I'm with you there. I think this is the the way of the future. Yep. All right. Well, hey, thanks again for hopping on. Look forward to, to seeing you down there for OTAs next week and, and have a great weekend, Skinny. You bet. This is the payback for you driving to Buffalo, Jay. So anytime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just take a quick break. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Well, now's the time. We're going to welcome in another Cincinnati media all-star, uh, our good friend, Mo Egger. Mo, how you doing today? What does one have to do to qualify to be an all-star? Well, in my mind, you know, when people, I meet people and 
they ask what I do for a living and Mm -hmm. and invariably they'll say, Oh, what's Joe Burrow like, or what's Jamar (laughs) chase like, but every now and then they will say, have you ever met so-and-so? And And it's Uh usually a a media member and invariably it's you. They always say, do you know Mo Egger? Have you ever talked to him? What's he like? So I I think that qualifies you as an all-star. Like to be a fly in the wall when you uh, when you tell them what I'm like. I'd I'd hate to I'd hate to find out who's not an all star. Like, what's the cutoff line? That's maybe uh, we can have that discussion off air. Yeah, I, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So, um, you're sitting here talking to me alone because Paul is on a golf vacation with his dad right now. Um, mm-hmm. have you ever played golf with Paul? I've never played golf with Paul. No. Uh, okay. No. But here's the thing: like, I've come to love golf. I didn't play prior to the pandemic. So the amount of golf partners I've had is pretty limited. I rarely played prior to 2020, but it, you know, back then it was the only thing you could do. So, uh, but now I'm like all in on it, but I haven't played with Paul. Huh? I was going to ask you what his game was like, but I guess maybe we'll wait till they get back. We'll have Paul senior on and he can, uh, he can talk about how, how Paul's uh, golf game is. Um, you know, with the Bengals uh, earlier this week, Tyler Boyd showed up for, for the off season for the first time. And, um, he, he made the comment about if he had been healthy for that AFC championship game, they would have won the game. And I know we in the media always roll our eyes when you hear guys do coach speak and cliches and all that kind of stuff. And then Boyd does the opposite opposite of that. I'm just curious what uh, you heard those comments. Um, what what did you think about him saying that? Did you like it or make you cringe a little bit knowing what the reaction would be outside of Cincinnati? You know, my my first thought was, had the Bengals won the AFC championship game and an injured player, a guy on the Chiefs who got injured during that game said the same thing, we would all make fun of him, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if if Tyler Boyd played for the 2021 Chiefs, who the Bengals beat in the AFC championship game, and he got injured in the second quarter, and then he comes out months later and says, well, we would have won had I played, we, we would have mocked him. That's just kind of what we do. Uh, and so I try to be fair. Like, I'm not going to leap to the conclusion that, yeah, they would have beaten Kansas City. Would their chances have been better? Of course they would. But I, I would expect him to think that. I would expect mm-hmm. him to think that. And and honestly, I would expect his teammates to believe that. I don't know that they're going to double down on those comments. It doesn't make much sense for them. But he is a significant Cincinnati Bengal in a close game. When you lose significant players, you can't help but wonder, would uh, the, the presence of that player made a difference? I really don't know. Tyler Boyd doesn't play on the offensive line. He doesn't play left Mm -hmm. tackle. He wouldn't have been in charge of blocking Chris Jones. But on that last drive, uh, two and a half minutes to go, all they really need is a field goal. I've got Joe Burrow and a full complement of weapons where I've got Joe Burrow and I'm taking away a key weapon who does this one thing exceptionally well, serving as the third wide receiver. I'll take my chances with that. But I'll be honest with you, I didn't come away from that game going, God, you know what? They win that game if Tyler Boyd's there. And I think if most Bengals fans are being honest, they would agree with that statement. Yeah. And people forget, too, the Chiefs had receivers going down right and left in that yeah. game as well. So it's sure. not it's just part of what it is. Um, I mean, whether you agree with the comments or not, did did, did you like the fact that he, he said it? Yeah, sure. I, yeah. I like confident players. I like mm-hmm. players who are confident in their abilities. Um, sure. I, you know, it's. From my standpoint, and and I'm sure yours, late May, early June, give me something to chew on. <laughs> and so from my standpoint, Tyler Boyd uh, speaking and showing up for the first time and saying that gave me something to chew on. It, it 
it adds just a, a little drop into the the bucket that is the Bengals Chiefs rivalry. You know, yeah. he didn't call anybody out. He didn't, you know, he did talk about Orlando Brown defecting from Kansas City to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. It just adds a tiny element. And all we could hope is when the Bengals play the Chiefs in the regular season, and obviously if they play them in the postseason, hopefully Tyler is there and hopefully the Bengals are relatively healthy. Yeah, it's funny because you think about it that what this this rivalry is kind of emerged into, it almost feels more I don't know if it's in, intense is the right word, but there's there's that this nastiness kind of developing with the fans. I don't know if it's so much with the players, but it it almost feels like it's a a bigger rival than any of the division rivals right now. Yeah. I mean, they 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 seem to kind of play nice within the division. You never hear guys calling other guys out in the division and um it just, it just really is interesting the way that yeah, I guess back-to-back AFC Championship games will, will do that, um, along with the Bengals winning the first three times they played the, the Burrow-Mahomes matchups. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I was thinking about this. Um, Jason Williams wrote a piece in the Inquirer about what happened to Cardinals' hatred. And my take on that was, and, and he had a, 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 a sentence at the end of the piece, and I'm paraphrasing it, but it's like, you know, can you get really that worked up about another team when there's you're aiming basically apathy toward yours? But my take on that was I always felt like Reds Cardinals hatred was kind of contrived, right? It was based on one incident way back in 2010 in St. Louis. They're not obsessing about the Reds. And so to me, it just, it always sort of felt like it really wasn't a rivalry. It was just, we came up with a reason to hate the Cardinals and most of it's kind of out of begrudging respect and frankly, jealousy. And then I talked about Bengals Chiefs and I said, there you have something that I think right now is the NFL's best rivalry. And it's based on, it happened very organically, right? It, it, it It's not contrived. It's not, it, it, the media didn't create this. It's based on, they've played high stakes, great games mm-hmm. with genuine superstars and critical moments. And there being just, you know, these, these single moments in all four games that just totally pivoted the game in a different direction and stars emerging and moments that I'm always going to remember both obviously as a Bengals fan that made me happy and as a Bengals fan that made me miserable. And that to me is maybe the best part of sports. You know, are the Bengals and Steelers rivals? Sure. They're shared history. Uh, They play twice a year. They're in the same division. I don't know that in Pittsburgh right now, they, even now with the Bengals being really good, they get that worked up about the Cincinnati Bengals, unless it's a big game and the Bengals and Steelers, you know, last year really didn't play quote big games, I guess. Uh, are the Bengals and Browns historical, geographical, in-state rivals? Yeah, and you know they've they've played some interesting games against each other, but nothing like Bengals Chiefs, nothing no. with those stakes, uh, and nothing with um, just sort of everything surrounding the game that we've had, specifically with the AFC Championship game last year, where you've got the mayor getting involved, and <laughs> you know now you have another dimension, which is Orlando Brown defecting. Yeah. I think the interesting comment would have been. Had Orlando Brown said, yeah, if I played for the Bengals last year, we would have won. That, that to me, would have been fascinating. But it's to and me, correct and correct. Yes, <laughs> it's the best part of sports when organically and naturally rivalries just kind of take shape. And that has happened here. And so for my money, if you're an NFL fan, how are you not looking forward to Bengals and Chiefs? Basically, part five. Who knows what's going to be on the line? Uh, who knows who's going to be playing for what? Chances are the game is going to have major playoff implications. How are you not looking forward to that game? Great rivalries to me sort of transcend. I want to watch Duke Carolina. I want to watch Ohio State, Michigan. 
I'm not a fan of those programs. I want to watch Bengals Chiefs, even if I'm a Packers fan or a Rams fan or somebody else. And so to me, that's the really cool thing. The Bengals have a legitimate rival and it feels real. And for the first time really in forever, it feels reciprocated. I've gone on Kansas City radio three times since the season ended to talk about the Bengals and Chiefs. Um, I'm not doing that in Pittsburgh or Cleveland or, or Baltimore. And so I like the fact that just very naturally through great games and big moments, a rivalry has taken shape. And I, I can't wait to see what those two teams do against each other on the field in December. You know, it's, you mentioned the, the big moments and the big plays that you remember from those games that kind of leads into what I want to talk to you next, because kind of staying on on Boyd's theme of ifs and buts and do overs. Um, if you could travel back in time and watch any Cincinnati sporting event that you missed it since you've been alive hmm. and you could have missed it because you, you just didn't go, or maybe you were too young to fully remember it or to something else to fully remember it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there a game you would pick that you would go back and, and be able to watch again at your current age, your current knowledge, all that, and, and maybe have a greater appreciation for it. Like be there in attendance yes. or just, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a very good question. Um, so rather famously on this podcast, I was not able to be in attendance for the Bengals first playoff win in, uh, in, in over three decades when they beat the Raiders. Cause I had to fill in for Dan Horde and I had a great experience watching at a hotel with salad lady who we've, <laughs> we've talked about a lot. Yes. Um, it's rare in life that I have FOMO. It's rare in life that I have genuine jealousy, but as, as much as I love filling in for Dan and appreciate that opportunity. And as much as I love UC basketball, not being able to be there after having been in attendance for playoff losses and so many just kind of late season, why am I here? Kind of games. It still kills me that I wasn't there that night. Uh, you know, it's still, and I, I was lucky enough to be there for the Baltimore game this year. Yeah. Um, I attended the Super Bowl with three of my best friends, which was, you know, just absolute bucket list. But that night, just watching everybody celebrate, hearing from people who were there and celebrating afterwards. If I could go back in time and be in attendance for one game that I wasn't, I would do almost anything to be there for for that one. That that would be that would be the absolute best. That would be that would be pretty cool. That would be awesome. Also, my grandfather went to game six of the 1990 National League Championship Series and after the fact told me that he tried to get a hold of me. Uh, I don't believe him, but I've always wondered how cool would that have been to be there, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but that Bengals-Raiders game, that experience, I've talked to so many people who said it was like the, the one of the greatest nights of their lives. Mm-hmm. And it was cool watching on TV, and I celebrated on my own way in Wichita, Kansas, but I, I really do wish I would have been there for that. I was actually at that 90 championship game. I, I drove from Athens day of the game, um, met my dad, my, my girlfriend, then wife. Now we, we both went and it was amazing. And my FOMO there was we couldn't stay and party. I mean, people were carrying <laughs> brooms and vacuum cleaners around fountain square. And I had to get back to Athens cause I had to cover a bad Ohio university, oh, Miami man. football tilt the next day. Um, so that, that was, the game was amazing. It's one of the most memorable baseball games I've ever been Glenn to. Glenn Braggs, Robin Carmelo yes, Martinez. That's where we were in right field in the blue oh, seats. And it, was, it was right there in front of us. The, the, the one that I would go back and watch is, is a, another game I was at, but it was the first game my dad ever took me to. 
It was opening day in 74 and Hank Aaron hit 714. And no I'm a, kidding. I'm a seven-year-old kid. I had no appreciation. I had I had no idea what was going on. It was why are they cheering for the other team? All that kind yeah. of th- that. And it was, you know, it was my spring break. I didn't even want to go. My dad owned a clothing store at the time and I was hiding in one of the dressing rooms. It's like, I just want to play with my friends. It's spring break. And he's like, no, we're going to this baseball game. So I, I would love to go back and and have an appreciation for that now to to see that moment in history where I can say I was there, but I don't truly remember it. That's really cool. Is there any chance you have the ticket stub? Uh, there, I, I don't, I can't say for sure. I do. I might, I've got hmm. a bunch of old, cause my dad and his company, they had season tickets back then. And I've got a bunch of old ticket stubs, but I don't know that I have one from that game. That I would might, be, but, that would be cool. If you had the yeah. stub, I yeah. mean, Marty's first game, Hank Aaron ties the babe, uh, historically significant game. Mm-hmm. That would be, that would, it's, it's my, it's my biggest lament as a modern sports fan that there's no ticket stub. Like mm-hmm. I went to the AFC championship game and I joked with the guy that I went with. I'm like, well, I really can't wait to print out my uh, QR code <laughs> if they win and say that I was here for that. I, I miss cardstock tickets uh, for, for that reason that you talk about having an appreciation. So you, I was a freshman in high school when UC went to the final four and just like this start crazy UC basketball fan. And my mom had a friend named Steve Monahan who said to her, look, I can get you and your son tickets in Minneapolis for Saturday for the semifinal. Um, they're in like the last row of the Metrodome. I, you know, you're going to have to get your own way there, hotel, all that stuff. And my mom's like, look, this Steve Monahan guy. And because I had a date with Lori Elder. And by the way, dates at that stage of my life, fewer and farther between than UC Final Four appearances. I'm like, ah, you know what? They'll go back to the Final Four. I, yeah. I don't know if I tell Lori Elder I'm not going to go see Cutting Edge with her. That was the film that I'll ever have a second chance. And so uh, <clears throat> Lori and I were done dating about a week after that date. And UC <laughs> has not been back to the Final Four. And to this day, my mom gives me a hard time for saying no to free. The tickets were free. I mean, oh we didn't gosh. have to pay. Yeah. My mom's like, I, we have tickets. I'll drive you to Minneapolis. We'll, we'll find a place. That we'll go. And me being a 14 year old moron uh, <laughs> was like, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll go back. I'll be, you know, we'll have better seats. We'll have tickets to the championship game and, and no, haven't gone back since. I wish I could. I wish I could redo that. For a lot of reasons. Yeah. And by the way, I bet you Lori Elder does too. I was just going to say thing. I wonder if Lori wants to redo that. <laughs> <laughs> while, while we're going down memory lane, I wanted to get back to Boyd. And I, I don't want to write him off yet because he's got one year left. And who knows? Maybe he signs back and he he sticks around another year or two. But but if this is his his last ride with the Bengals, is, is there any play that comes close at all to, to being at the forefront of your memory when it comes to Tyler Boyd? You know, it, because everybody's gonna say fourth and twelve against Baltimore New Year's Eve. That that's mm-hmm. that's it. That's the play. But him. But is there another moment from him that that real that you think you'll remember for years and years? I don't remember. Well, am I allowed to say the drop in the Super Bowl? Does that mean? <laughs> yeah, it is a little because mean. it was so uncharacteristic. Right, it was his first one of the year. Yeah, yeah. Like Tyler Boyd doesn't drop passes. Uh, the first game in Pittsburgh in 2021. Um, Tyler Boyd oh, no. was terrific. Yeah, the, the first game at Heinz Field. Uh, week three, maybe where the Bengals offensive MO was still like screw around for a half. And then toward the end, they throw it downfield to Jamar. Mm-hmm. But as I recall, 
Tyler Boyd was in Pittsburgh, his hometown, was terrific in that game. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there was still legitimate questions about like, all right, well, did they do the right thing with Jamar Chase? He was dropping a lot of passes uh in in uh, in the preseason. I don't remember the the specific stat line, but but I I I remember uh there being a play where he scored, I think he scored a touchdown on a on a on a pass just down sort of the left side of the field where he was wide open. And I remember talking on the air with Tony Pike about like how big Tyler Boyd was that that's the game that stands out if we're not talking fourth and twelve. Yeah. Um against against Baltimore, which you know, I, I loved for, for so many reasons. It was, um, you know, it, it brought out the best in Bills fans and and just you saw, you know, people actually using a moment to, to do some really good things. And uh, it was a nice ending to an otherwise miserable season. And I guess it saved Marvin Lewis's job. Uh, but you'd have to look up the box score and and maybe I'm exaggerating his impact. But but I, I remember when they beat the Steelers at Heinz it was still Heinz Field then. Uh, early in the Super Bowl year, Tyler Boyd being terrific, and his career has been awesome, man. I mean, mm-hmm. for you know, people forget he he had a thousand yards in a season in which there was no AJ Green, and yep. he was catching passes from Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley. Um, very good player, two one thousand yard seasons, just the quintessential sort of complimentary guy when the Bengals had a healthy AJ or uh, the guys they have right now. And I mean, I think if this is his last season, there are going to be folks who look at his statistical profile. Let's say he has a, he plays all 17 games and just has a, a typical Tyler Boyd year in the offense that they're in. I think there's going to be folks who look at the the numbers and go, God, I don't think I realized he was that prolific. And part of that is longevity, but man, he's really, really had a, a nice career. And you could answer this better than I, I don't know why it has to be a done deal that he, this is, has to be his last year, especially if they don't get a T Higgins deal done. Uh, I don't know that there's going to be a huge market for a wide receiver going into his third contract. Does, does he like it here? Does he like catching passes from Joe Burrow? Can they come to some sort of financial agreement or is there another version of Tyler Boyd out there that they can slide in looking for his second deal? If, if T's not here, but that's for the future for now. Yeah. What a, what a player. I mean, you talk about some of the, at the time, more unheralded draft picks that have turned out really, really well. Uh, Tyler with a second round pick in 2016 would be near the top of the list. You know, that, that game in 2021 um, at Pittsburgh, you mentioned, gave us another memorable Tyler Boyd quote. That's when he said, after them boys quit. Yes, uh, that's after right. The Steelers game and uh, that one of the rare kind of shots fired in that in that rivalry recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I you know if Charlie Jones doesn't pan out the way they think he will, and they don't sign Higgins, then I could see there being a path. Or you know, Tyler was you know talking how much he loves it here, and the front office loves me, and and all that. And so yeah, maybe a, a one year, two year deal to stick around a bit, little bit longer. But it's just it's that that money crunch is coming, and and sure. I think it's gonna it's gonna have to there's gonna have to be a parting of ways at some point. Uh, for for me, I, I remember that Miami game, the comeback, the game that clinched the the pick to to get Joe Burrow. <laughs> yes, with him crawling, crawling off the field. Yes, yeah, and he also he had two touchdowns in that game. He had the the last the last two touchdowns and the the one with like thirty seconds left that gave him a shot for an onside kick, which they got. And that, that's one of the games that really stands out for me. Um, those were lean times for the Bengals. It's 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 the hot, the hopes are much higher now. 
The Reds all of a sudden are exciting, mm-hmm. brimming with promise. FC Cincinnati's dominating. Is this the least angsty time in Cincinnati sports since you've been on the air? Uh, that's a good question. Maybe. Uh, I, I said this, I, I, I don't do Twitter threads too often, but I, I did one um, Wednesday morning because Tuesday's show was the first time in a very long time that when we talked about baseball, we actually talked about baseball. And I, I said this in 2021, what, what I loved about that team so much and love to this day about that team specifically is we talked about football. We talked about football games and strategies and personnel and play calling and roster decisions and coaching maneuvers. And, and not all the conversations were optimistic in tone, but I like talking about games. And so with baseball, you know, last year when the Reds are a thousand games out of first place, if the night before David Bell put this guy in the seventh inning, who cares? It has no bearing on, on the season. Uh, And so it becomes all about as it did with the Bengals for, for much of the latter part of the, uh, the last decade about ownership and why you're not going to games and how apathy is setting in and should the team move? And are you finding somebody else to root for? I, I can certainly engage in those discussions, but after a while, it's a hamster wheel. You're just you're talking about the same stuff. Tuesday was the first time that we talked about Ellie Taylor Cruz is going to get here. What's going to happen with Jonathan India? And it was kind of based on the the piece that C. Trent Rosecrans mm-hmm. uh, worked on with uh, Ken Rosenthal about you know they're going to have a decision to make about Jonathan India. And there's no right now wrong answer, but it was a fun discussion about well, God, what's what are the, the the pros and cons of maybe trading him? Can you play him at third base? What's the domino effect if you do that? And I didn't agree with every call, but that was a blast. That's fun. And so the fact that we're kind of getting to the point that now with the Bengals, we're strictly talking about football. And now with the, the Reds, we're, we're kind of we're over the hump. We're not mm-hmm. doing the where are you going to go? I think the attendance thing has kind of been beaten to death way too much. Now it's about Ellie De La Cruz and how the pieces are going to fit. And it doesn't mean we all agree, but I love that. I, I love those conversations. And so the fact that we're sort of focusing in on those two things specifically is, is terrific. And there's tremendous excitement with FC Cincinnati. And um, we don't get a ton of, of caller engagement, but, but that's, that's kind of okay. Um, I wouldn't call me to talk about FC Cincinnati because admittedly, I and I will say this, I know less about that, not that I know a lot about any sport, but I, I still, I, I've acknowledged this publicly, I'm, I'm not quite as comfortable talking about the, the mechanics of it. And so mm-hmm. I, I really sort of talk about them in, uh, from a 30,000 foot view and try to get guests on who are really proficient at, at breaking down the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there really seems to be a lot of excitement, a lot of optimism, and uh, I I hope it continues. By the way, I did look up the Tyler Boyd box score. I sort of overstated his impact. So he caught a touchdown pass in the first quarter that was the first score of the game. Uh, 17. He had four catches for 36 yards. So okay. not a statistically superior game. But I I remember that touchdown sort of breaking a little bit. Of, they, they lost the week before where they offensively were miserable in Chicago. And that just sort of, I don't know, set the tone for a a win it in Pittsburgh, which obviously they've had such a hard time winning there. So 
I, I sort of misremembered it, but nonetheless, Tyler did catch that pass and the Bengals won the game. Yeah. I, I, I was curious because you know, we're talking about FC, Cincinnati Reds, Bengals being good. And there's there's another one. And I know you don't get any calls on this, but but Xavier <laughs> Baseball being in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. What, you know, NCAA baseball tournament is way down below, obviously, where the, the NCAA basketball, March Madness and all that is. But what? What is your do you do you like even when they with local teams aren't in it? Do you like the the NCAA baseball college world series and all that? The my my buddy took me for years on at the top of my bucket list was to go to the college world series. Yeah. And my buddy took me for my 40th birthday. And I've I've been lucky that I've I've gone, I've bought tickets to a lot of really cool stuff. That's the best sporting event that I've been to. Wow. Uh it's one half baseball convention, one half party. Tickets are really inexpensive. For years, this is no longer the case. It was the only NCAA championship event that you could buy beer at. So for mm-hmm. years, you know, you couldn't buy it at the NCAA tournament. Uh, College World Series had a grandfathered in. Tickets are really, really uh, easy to come by. They play two games a day. And so Omaha's got a ton of awesome restaurants. You can stay for almost nothing across the river in Council Bluffs. You don't want to spend a lot of time in Council Bluffs, <laughs> but uh, it's a quick, it's like Covington to, uh, to yeah. Cincinnati. Though Covington's much, much nicer. It's and the games, you know, now we're kind of in the, the baseball pitch clock era, but the games move, man. Not a lot of screwing around in college baseball. So I finally went. I love it. I say this every year. I wish, I wish we talked about and I wish more people were into the local schools and uh and their baseball programs. Cause it's so weird, right? Mm-hmm. We fancy ourselves as this like baseball city. Right. We're very parochial when it comes to our local schools. And there's just, you know, Xavier makes the NCAA tournament. NKU obviously has had a terrific year. When those things happen, there's a little pop, but um, it, it sort of flies beneath the radar more than you would, you would think, especially like with people's recent disaffection with the Reds. I'm slightly surprised there hasn't been a, a little funneling of those fans to their schools that they care about when it comes to college basketball or football. But yeah, we had Billy O'Connor on the show. Billy's Mm -hmm. dad, Billy's dad is a Dr. O'Connor on the West side. And my father-in-law is Dr. O'Connor, both dentists on the West side. (laughs) And so they're always confused for each other. And then when we moved to the West side, we lived two houses over from Billy's dad. So uh, I I always get my Xavier scoop from him. And and so uh, Billy's a good dude. Um, They play one o'clock on Friday. I'm I'm thrilled for him. We're going to be rooting for him. Yeah. Um, And it's, you know, it's, it's cool to think about maybe a a local school getting as far as uh, Omaha. And if, if that happens and I know they've, they've got a very uphill battle, but if that happens, I could not encourage you more to go to the college world series. Mm -hmm. It is awesome. Yeah, even if if they can somehow get out of Vanderbilt, out of that yeah. this regional, and go to a super regional, I think interest would ramp way up. You know, I, when I was writing for Dayton Daily News, I covered Wright State baseball. And I don't know if Wright State's a bad bad name, and as you being a UD guy, but um, <laughs> it, it was it was really fun to cover. And they, came, I mean, they took Louisville, which was number one team in the country, to a very, a final game um, where they they were one, you know, right there with the chance to win to go to a super regional, and they they've done well against powerhouses every year they're in the tournament. And so that kind of got me hooked on it. Now Wright state's in it again. Um, and Xavier's in it. So I, I'm looking forward to, to watching that stuff this weekend and see if, if there is a local rooting interest that can move on beyond this weekend. And the thing is, and major league baseball is 
has evolved a little bit, but for years, you know, folks have criticized baseball for the unwritten rules and it's too rigid and, and, you know, it needs to let its hair down college baseball. Yeah. If you like baseball with its hair let down, you know, guys coming out of the dugout after home runs and, you know, the, the celebrations for what guys do, the bat flips, which I love, uh, in fact, I talked to a former college baseball coach who kind of was like, okay, it's gone a little bit too far. But if you want to see baseball with its hair let down, the college game is mm-hmm. is terrific. And uh yeah, it's it it's sort of off the rate. I I in fact I I hate that college baseball, the only time we ever really talked about it was a, a gambling scandal. And obviously mm-hmm. its tentacles have reached uh the UC baseball program, but uh yeah, you know, one o'clock on Friday. If if you watch the Musketeers, I, I think it's baseball, but it's it's a little different. Um, mm-hmm. You get aluminum bats. So yeah. <laughs> the, the ping might be something you have to get used to, but it's cool. It's um, I, I say it every year. Like I I wish I I wish I went to more games and got more involved because I like the area schools and I love baseball. So should do more of it. You do love baseball. You go to a lot of Reds games. Are you going to be able to go Friday night since they're starting at five or are you going to be late? I took the day off. Oh, there you go. Zach Brown band. Yeah. So, so you, uh, yeah. That was going to be my next question. You're going to stay for the concert. Heck yeah. So yeah. I've seen Zach Brown. I saw him the last time they played at GABP. Yep. So did I. And I think four times at Riverbend. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so this will be my sixth show. And uh, yeah, Reds, a five o'clock game on a Friday. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So. So yes, yep. we'll be I'll there be as there. well. We'll be up in the nosebleeds, but we likewise, will be yeah. yes, I'll be up there with you. But uh, <laughs> but the uh, I love going to I love going to baseball games, yeah. and and the fact that the team is playing better, and you know, De La Cruz is going to be here soon. Um, I don't get as wrapped up in the you know, well, folks aren't going to games sort of thing, but it's it's fun when when the park is packed, just as it's yeah. fun when 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 Bengals games are are sold out or at least close. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking some extra time uh, with Paul out of town this week. And I, I do want to ask, even though you've not played golf with them, just to, to leave it at this, do you, <laughs> do you have a predicted score for Paul's best round on this many, trip with his dad? All right. So my guess is dad wins every round. I don't oh. know how many strokes uh senior's going to have to give junior. My, my guess is dad wins every round. Um, My guess is Paul and I are close in terms of quality of our games even though he has probably played a lot more than me i'll put junior i'll say juniors in the 92 to 96 range okay and i'll have senior somewhere he'll get mad at me i'll i'll put him between 86 and 88 okay i I was gonna say yeah i I was thinking 88 for paul but i don't know i've never played with him either i don't play golf but um, hmm. he'll just claim that he let his dad win because it's kind of a Father's Day, father's father sure. son trip. And but like I've never, he might be great. I have, uh, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Yeah, but it'd be fun to play with him. I mean, he, I'm sure he beat me. So if I was on that trip, I'd I'd finish third. Well, maybe our next podcast we'll do that. We'll do it from the golf course <laughs> and see how it goes. Sign me up for that. <laughs> yes. All right. Thanks again, Mo. All right, Jay. Thanks for having me, man. Okay, thanks again to Mo for hopping on and giving his uh, always entertaining perspective on all things Cincinnati sports. Uh, this is the point in the show where a lot of times we'll take reader, listener, viewer questions, but 
We're not doing this episode live on YouTube, so I cannot see the questions you guys would be dropping in a chat. Uh, that's why earlier in the week I had uh, solicited some questions for a mailbag, but I want I wanted to do a we we just did a mailbag a couple of weeks ago um, with Paul, and I I wanted to kind of go a different route, and I did this. It was back in December. I did a, a specific Jay's Got Stats mailbag. Any kind of weird stat uh, you wanted me to look up. Uh, you guys had some great ones. Uh, I love doing it, and I thought we'd give that another run. So I put out the bat signal earlier this week, and uh, you, you heard uh, an example of that already with the the number 99s that have played for the Bengals and the uh, how many offensive linemen, what we what we talked about when the conversation was skinny. But I wanted to get a, to a couple more here. Uh, to, to round out the show, um, Joe Goodberry wanted to know, he said, the thing he can't find is the longest fumble returns in Bengals history. Now, obviously, Sam Hubbard's 98-yard touchdown in the playoff game is what I'm sure sparked this. It, technically, that doesn't count because the when, when you, you're talking about records, it's it's always regular season. Anything that happens in the postseason or, or just looked at as, as special just postseason playoff record. So technically, Sam Hubbard does not own the Bengals record for longest fumble return. It still belongs to Clayton Fedulum, who had an 83-yarder. Many of you will remember it wasn't that long ago. It was in the, the 2018 season opener at Indy, and the uh, Colts were just getting ready. Or I, wish they, I shouldn't say they're getting ready to score, but it was late in the game. They're down by four or five and they're in Cincinnati territory at the 30 with a chance to, to win the game. And Andrew Luck hits Jack Doyle for a 15-yard gain on third and 15. And Clayton Pop- Fedulum pops the ball out, picks it up, runs 83 yards for a game-clinching touchdown. That is what stands as the, the longest fumble return in Bengals history. And interesting, Fedulum was only in the game because Sean Williams got ejected in the first quarter, the, the Bengals starting safety uh, for a helmet to helmet hit on Andrew Luck. So he Fedulum got thrown into the action there and comes up with, yeah, the, I would say the hugest play of his his time with the Bengals. Um, what, what Joe was looking for is basically the top 10. He couldn't find the other one. So I've got him here for you. Uh, Ray Bentley in 1992 and Robert Gathers in 2009 both had 75 yard fumble returns. Uh, Corey Hall in 2001 had a 73-yarder. Barney Bussey in 1990 went for 70. Uh, Jonathan Joseph in 2008, 65. Pac-Man Jones, 2010, 59. Jimmy Spencer also went 59. That was in a 1996 game. Uh, Terrence Newman, the one you guys all remember against the Packers in 2013, that was 58. And Brian Simmons, uh, 56, to match his jersey number in a game also in 2001, the same year Corey Hall did. Um, when I do things like this, it's it's calling up the stats is is interesting enough. But there were there were two on that list that that really stood out to me. One is Corey Hall. All of those that I mentioned went for touchdowns, except Corey Hall's. And see if this sounds familiar. The Bengals were playing the Ravens. It was late in the fourth quarter. It was third and one, or I'm sorry, it's third and goal at the one. 
Baltimore tried a quarterback sneak and the ball got popped out and ended in a long fumble return. I mean, it sounds so much like the Sam Hubbard play in the playoffs, except this was not a playoff game. It was a regular season game and the Bengals were up by 11. So even if the Ravens scored there, it was the last play of the game. Uh, it wasn't going to make a difference. Uh, it does get weirder though, because the reason Corey Hall didn't score was he was run down from behind by wide receiver Brandon Stokely, who eight years later would run damn near the length of the field in the final seconds of a game against the Bengals uh, for one of the biggest gut punch losses in Bengals history. You all remember the the game against the Broncos, the not the 09 season opener when the, the ball got tipped and Gus Johnson yelling, oh my God, Stokely! Uh, crazy, crazy coincidence there with those two. Um, the the other oddity on this list is Simmons um, and his 56-yarder, which was a touchdown. But what makes it odd is he didn't recover the fumble. It was a game in Pittsburgh. The, the Steelers were 12-2, and and they were lined up to kick a field goal to go up 17 to nothing against a bad Bengals team in 2001, uh, late in the season, playing out the string. Um, the the snap got away from Jim Miller, the Steelers punter and long snapper, and Bengals player Robert Bean scooped it up. I can't find video of the play, but for some reason, I don't know if he was about to get tackled or if he was gassed or he, what, whatever reason, after a 10-yard return, he lateraled it to Simmons, who took it the final 56. So Bean got credit for 10 yards of a fumble recovery and the recovery itself. Simmons got credit for a 56-yard return, but not the fumble recovery. So uh, just a couple of uh, interesting little tidbits there on, on the, the Joe, Joe Goodberry question. Um, one more here for you. Um, this is kind of uh, how quickly they forget, maybe. Um, Twitter user Transcript asked, if any team has done what the Bengals are going to try to do this year, and that's a three-year run of going from Super Bowl loss, conference championship loss, Super Bowl victory. Has anybody done that? And one team in NFL history has pulled off that specific three-year run and just so happens to be the Bengals played a role in two of those, and it's the the team that they're trying to overcome as the best in the league right now, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. They lost the Super Bowl in 2020 to the Buccaneers. They lost the conference championship the following year to the Bengals, and then they came back last year, beat the Bengals in the conference championship game, and won the Super Bowl by beating the Eagles. So there's, there's history there. It, it has been done. Um, there were... There were five other instances where two of those legs came into play. The uh, 2011 Patriots lost the Super Bowl. Then in 2012, they came back, lost the conference championship game. And then in 2013, they lost the conference championship game again. Kind of weird to think a Patriots team losing huge game, huge season, any games three years in a row. But that happened. First two were exactly what the Bengals have done already. And then a second straight conference championship game. I don't, I know a lot of Bengals fans probably don't even think about that possibility this year. It would be brutal, but that that's a two out of three. Uh, the 84 dolphins lost the super bowl 
85 Dolphins lost in the conference championship game, even more brutal. 86 Dolphins didn't even make the playoffs. Uh, then you have the, the 13, 2013 Broncos lost the Super Bowl. In 14, they lost in the division round, not the conference championship game. Then in 15, they came back and won the Super Bowl. And then the 75 Cowboys did that exact same thing, lost the Super Bowl, lost the division round the next year, won the Super Bowl the year after that. So um, there's there's history out there. There's there's a template. There's precedence for the, the Bengals to go Super Bowl loss, conference championship lost, Super Bowl championship. But a lot of football to be played uh, before then. I, I do thank everybody for for sending in your questions, your, your stat queries. Um, I have a lot of fun looking them up. Uh, got a lot more to get to that'll be in the piece on the athletic later today or uh, more likely probably go up Friday morning. Um, last thing to to get to here on this Paulless episode is uh, the Arby's. And uh, Paul mentioned I, I should have mentioned this last week in my in the Arby's segment and I forgot. So I'm going to do it this week. Um, I have a, a friend named Joe that I've known for decades and uh, a couple months ago, we were at a, a celebration of life for a friend of ours. And I, Joe is an, an incredible um, carpenter, uh, construction. I don't, I don't know handyman. I mean, I don't know how best to describe him, but he does incredible work. And so we want to remodel our kitchen. And I was talking to him at, at this celebration of life about could he come out and look at our what we want to do and give us an estimate? And he said, yeah, absolutely. He has a uh, big job that he was going to be doing in Florida. But when he got back, we could we could figure it out. So I, I texted him a couple of weeks ago and asked if he was back from the Florida job. And he said he was. But it was going to be a little bit longer because he's doing another huge job. And he sent me a photo of what it was. And the Bengals have hired Joe to build the set for their media day this year. The media day is when they have all the players in at once and they take all the, the videos that you see um, on, on the, the screen and on social media of them pointing at their nameplate and um, the smoke and the lasers, all that kind of cool stuff. And then they'd also do all the headshots that uh, appear when they're, when they're announcing the, the starting lineup on the, the primetime games and uh, the, the big, I'm not. I don't want to give. I I could post the photo. I don't want to. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't know if the the Bengals don't want that out yet. I certainly don't want to get Joe in trouble. He showed me the photo. It looks really cool. But I just thought that was a, a fun connection um, to to have someone I know that just so happens to be building the set for the Bengals media day. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, look forward to having Paul back next week. It's. Uh, I really appreciate Mo and Skinny hopping on this week, um, but. A little out of my comfort zone. Uh, thank you to everyone that that stuck to the very end. You know, sometimes at the end of these episodes, we talk Survivor, and we just had the the Survivor finale. But I can't even speak on that because, well, our power went out the night of the Survivor finale. I was at the Reds game. We came home to watch it. Missed the whole final Tribal Council, and I've not been able to find it online without paying for it yet. So uh, I know who won. I just don't know what all was said and done at the Tribal Council. So maybe Paul and I will we'll get into that next week when he gets back. Uh, anyhow, that wraps up this episode. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.